I'm Elena Lansberg-Lewis, your host of Grandmothers on the Move, the podcast that kicks old stereotypes to the curb. Come meet these creative, outrageous, authentic, adventurous, irreverent, and powerful disruptors and influencers. Grandmothers, from the living room to the courtroom, making powerful contributions in every walk of life. We know them most intimately as loving caregivers, the older women in our lives with a thousand stories about their grandchildren and pictures in their purses. In this podcast, you'll come to know even more about our grandmothers. They are galvanized, determined, and are guaranteed to get you thinking. What drives them? What are they up to? What is the potential of grandmother power, and how is it changing the world? Grandmothers are on the move. You don't want to be left behind. Hi, it's Elena. Welcome back to Grandmothers on the Move. And today I have a really special conversation with Mama Zadwa from Umlazi, South Africa, but a deep and old friend and mentor of mine for many years now. Welcome, Mama Zadwa. So good to have you with me today. Thank you very much, Elena. We met a long time ago now, and I was at the very beginning of my understanding of what was happening with the AIDS pandemic in sub-Saharan Africa, and you were one of the first grandmothers that I ever spent real time with and learning from about what was happening for grandmothers in particular at the heart of the response to HIV and AIDS. And I wonder, Mama, if we can start with your own story Definitely. Uh, my story, I lost two children through this pandemic. Uh, my daughter was sick and it was her first year uh, in teaching profession, but she could not continue because she contracted the HIV. Being a nurse, I did not understand what was happening to my daughter because she was presenting to me as a person that has got heart disease. But in those days, it was not easy for the nurses to tell you that what's wrong with your child. Until you have one somebody that can divulge the information to you, but it was not easy. And she was admitted at the same hospital where I was trained. Because I was requesting every time and again in my work to go and see her as she was hospitalized. In 99, I felt no. Let me resign because I've taken so many days, so I don't have another leave. So I said, no, let me resign so that I can nurse my daughter. You know, if you're a mother, you think you are going to do a better thing for your child. So when I get there, I saw her. I stayed there for two weeks. At first, I was staying at the cottage where she was staying. Uh, After that, one nurse asked me to come and stay with her. So I was very happy because when I'm at a cottage, I'm thinking a lot about this child who is sick, whom I really don't understand what is wrong with her. This nurse took me to her place. I begged this nurse to tell me what's wrong with my daughter. She could not do it. She says, you know what is going to happen to me? Well, in those days, it was a normal thing. Our kids, if they are saying, don't tell my parents, the nurses were obeying the word of the child. I begged the nurse to tell me, she said, I'm telling you this because we know each other from long. Your daughter is HIV positive. I just kept quiet. I did not say a word. After 10 minutes, I said, thank you, because I know what's wrong. Because in those days, all what we have to do was to say, baby, I love you. I know you are going to die. It is isn't death. Because there was no treatment. But I didn't get that chance because she died. When we get to the hospital in the morning on Thursday, she was already dead. Oh. I, didn't have it to, I, I didn't even have the chance to say, I love you, baby. I love you. Even if you die, you'll die a decent death 
because I'm near to you. Mm-hmm. That's what makes me to resign to my own professional work because I wanted to come and see you. So I didn't have that chance. So I went back to Umlazi with the cops. We buried her. After burying her, I thought, no, let me fight with this virus. Let me think, what am I going to do? So at that time, we were five women. I said to these five women, my daughter died with HIV. And the other said, even mine too. I said, let's come together. When we had that, there's somebody that is sick. We'll go to that house and tell the mother to go and have a, a holiday, go to town and uh, take all the stress out. We'll come to your house and do everything for you, even nursing your child that is sick. Because some of the families, you find that there are three children that are sick. And we look after all those three children. We did this until the first woman died. In 2001, I joined TAC, Treatment Action Campaign, the NGO of the people that are living with HIV. But I did not know my status at that time. So when this other woman died, I said to other women, you know, because TAC made me to go to the clinics to talk about this HIV. So I was the mama who was talking at the clinics, all the 13 clinics of my place, of Omlazi. So I said to them, because we are preaching the gospel of HIV, why can't we go for testing so that we may know our status? Because HIV is not the virus that you can get because of sexual uh, transmission only. You can get it even when you are nursing your children with exit and entry point. So when I went to the clinic, the counselor did the pre-counseling for me. And then I was pricked. Uh, when the counselor brought my results... It was just a piece of paper that is telling you that you are HIV positive or negative. When the, the counselor brought the paper, she could not say anything to me because I was that the mother who was talking a lot about this pandemic. And the counselor said to me, oh, mom's daughter, what am I going to do? What am I going to say? I said, why, baby? She said, I don't know how to tell you. I just said, bring the paper to me because I could see that there's something mm. wrong in the paper. So I said, bring the paper to me, baby. I put the paper in my purse. I said, I'll see you tomorrow. When I get home, my husband was still alive at that time. I didn't even tell him that I went for testing. I kept quiet just like all other people that don't know anything about HIV, just like other people that are scared Mm -hmm. to be tested. So what makes me to go for testing now is because I've learned that these two children of mine, they died of this pandemic. Unfortunately, I was very angry for the second one. For the boy, because the boy died in 2001. While I was an activist, I was doing talks in the clinics. It was very sad. He burned himself. When I came back from my TAC volunteering work, I saw my house burning flames in my house. And my husband was, he was rolling, crying there. I just stood and looked at, at these men who were breaking my door. And I could see that there's nothing that we are going to find inside because of the flame. The man came to me. He said, Mama Zotra, your son is here inside. You put a petrol in his body and light a match. So that's why we are trying to break your doors. It was very hard in those days for the children to tell you that they are HIV positive. Can I ask you something? Yes. When your son committed suicide, you didn't know that he was HIV positive? No, I didn't know. How did you find out? You know, as African people, after three months, we are doing a ritual where we do the spring cleaning. While I was doing that spring clinic, preparing for that ritual, I found a note under my granddaughter's bed, place of address, and that letter had very few words, which I, uh, I can remember any time. I'm sure. The words were saying, Mama, 
I could not stand that I'm HIV positive because you have buried my sister recently. I thought of removing myself in this world. That's when I cried because after the death of his sister, I've joined the TAC. I am a volunteer and I know what's happening. Though there's no treatment, but the support was going to make him live. That's such a heartbreaking story, Mama Zadwa. I'm so sorry to hear it. And so what did you do next? So all the the four mothers that I was working with, they all died. And maybe when I'm thinking now, they were also HIV positive, but they could not tell because the willingness of them to come and do the job for free, it touched me. After all that happened now, I've started this Sia Pambil HIV and AIDS support group because I wanted to support people that are living with HIV. And I also wanted to help the mothers that have got children that are positive because I didn't want other mothers to feel what I felt with my children. It's for the people that are living with HIV. That's why when they come to the centers, this is our home. This is where we feel better. So after two years, I said, I still have that little money. Let me go to the municipality and ask for just a small piece of land so that I can build my own center. So in the organization, I thought, I'm feeding these children, these grandchildren. These children are staying with grannies. Let me see and know the position of the grannies at home. We visited them, asking the questions. Well, I said, no, let me not visit them. They must, we must bring them to the center together now because I've got enough space. The reason why I brought the grannies, it was not for them to do the income generation. But they thought for themselves that they must do the income generation. They must not sit. But what I've brought them there, I want them to share their good and bad. I want the other grannies to see that. Yes, they've lost the the children. But there are others who have lost the children. When they share the stories now, someone will say, hey, I've lost one. And we've lost two of them. And we've lost three. So when they are sharing their stories... I become very happy because to stay at home alone, you think a lot. Because some of them, when they used to come, they didn't even want to talk about these issues. Mm. But now they are talking freely about these issues. And some of them, they've disclosed to me that they, they are HIV positive because I used to tell them that this virus is not for the young, young ones. It's for old ones too. Everything is well now in my community because even the community people that did not want to come to our place, they are coming now. They are the people that are bringing all the cases to us. Let's go and see this one at home because we can see that she has something, but she's hiding it. There's still a lot of stigma. It isn't over yet. Not the stigma and the isolation of a lot of the grandmothers that we've heard about from you, from others. And how did you get them to come? Even if they are grandmothers who have lost their adult children to Mm. AIDS as well, how did you make it happen? You know what I do? I tell my story first to them. When I tell my story to them, they say, but you are so good. You are doing so many jobs for us and you don't look sick. They'll come out with their stories. Because they could feel free. I'm not hiding that this organization, the people that we are seeing here, are HIV positive. They can look beautiful to you, but they are HIV But They don't even hide their status. We met here because we wanted to help ourselves and help our community. And that's why we brought you here to help you. And the other thing that I wanted them to do is to talk about their grandchildren. Yes, as grandmothers, we cannot replace their mothers, but their mothers left them to us to look after them. Our children are dying. And you find that the grannies now have become mothers. 
since this group of grannies is a very neglected group, nobody wants to talk to the granny. Nobody will say, I'm bringing a workshop to the grandmothers, workshop for parenting, and even how to conduct an HIV workshop. As an activist, as a granny who's living with HIV and AIDS, I become worried because the grannies are sick, diabetic, others are hypertensive, yes, others are HIV positive. So when we go to the clinic, we wait in that big queue. One day I said to myself, no, let me talk to these nurses because I've been here at 8 o'clock. Now it's 3 o'clock, but I haven't got my treatment. I went to the sister in church. I said, sister, I've got an idea. I said, the idea is the people that are taking chronic treatment, they must not come to the clinic. She asked me, do you think that can happen? I said, it can happen. And he said, we are starting next week. The nurses will be coming to your center to distribute medication. And the chronic medication that's going through your center is what, what kind of medication are they distributing? It's diabetic, hypertension, arthritis, ARV medication. Ah, so it's everything that the grandmothers might need. Yeah, everything that grandmothers need, they come to the center oh. every Friday to take their medication. It really is the community grassroots organizations, the women who know what their communities need and what's going to work for them. Definitely, Ilana. It's only the women at the grassroots that know what the women need. There are so many grandmothers who are now coming together in groups, yes. taking strengths from each other, who are becoming leaders in yes. the struggle against AIDS, breaking through stigma, raising awareness. Now you're fighting for pensions and social welfare grants to be administered better in the country. But if I can ask you a personal question, you had your own grief and your own experience and your own diagnosis. Yeah. How did you persevere? You've become a leader amongst the grandmothers yourself. What was it in you that gave you this incredible strength and determination? Because it's huge and it's had such a massive impact on so many grandmothers and children's lives. Yes, I think firstly it was because of love. Because I love what I'm doing. Secondly, it is because of uh, having an extra hand to give to somebody else. If I'm keeping inside the strength that I've got, I must not do that. I must take the strength out. I must talk to others so that we can get other people that we can work together. Because if I'm working alone, I won't reach anyway. That's what I thought. And the other thing is to love my community and to love the people that are living with HIV. I love them very well. I love them too much. And for the children, if the children lost their parents, I know the burden which is with the grandmothers. So I wanted to extend a hand to help, even if the grandmother does not have food. So she knows very well that the child is coming here to see a pambil. The child is going to have a plate of food. The child is fed. I don't want a grandmother who is going to sleep without food because we are together. We are one, so let's look out for one another. I think that it was love that brought me to this thing, what I'm doing. I can see that when you speak. I want to talk about the Grandmothers to Grandmothers campaign just a little bit. 
I haven't had a chance yet to speak to one of the leaders in the African Grandmothers Movement, so I thought this would be a perfect opportunity to ask you, what does the campaign mean on your end of the work, where it is really the African Grandmothers who have become the experts on HIV and AIDS in their communities? It is really the African Grandmothers who are doing the work of raising the next generation. And you know that there's this campaign, 10,000 strong, around the world of grandmothers, most of them in Canada, now growing in Australia and the United States, who are standing with you, who have deep respect and admiration for all that you're doing. What does that mean to you and to the grandmothers that you're working with? If I may say and talk the truth, it is encouraging us to know that there are people from other continents that are with us as African grandmothers. We've got people that are feeling our pain. Because if you do, we become stronger and stronger. Things are happening. There is a light somewhere. That's what I'm thinking. We are not alone. Though we don't know when is the fight of HIV will get finished. But we know that there are people who are standing with us as grandmothers in this battle of fighting HIV. I'm seeing African grandmothers standing on their feet, fighting for their rights, advocating for anything that they want. As it is, we have a motto now which say nothing about us without us. Because the grandmothers have caught so many things that they want to say. Now, as we are trying to build the movement, we are building a platform for grandmothers nationally. It is going to be helpful. We are starting from the ground. Everybody will know about this movement. I see the grandmother's excitement because they own it. I see them very excited. Yeah, you too. I'm, 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 I'm on the air. The way I'm happy. It's been a long time coming. It's been a long time. Thank you so much, Mama Zadwa, for sharing your story and all of the extraordinary work that mm. you've done and that the grandmothers are doing. Okay. It was wonderful to hear it directly from you. Thank you, Thank you for having me, Madia. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. I'm Ilana Landsberg-Lewis, your host of Grandmothers on the Move. If you want to find out more about me or the podcast, go to grandmothersonthemove.com and come back next week for another episode.